Hi everyone, welcome to HubShot's episode 150. We talk about sales leads intelligence, HubSpot workflow tip, and how to always be starting. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and features and strategies for growing your marketing and sales results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot CEO Brian Halligan does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. My name is Ian Jacob from Search to Be Found and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I am so good and I just want to say hashtag double burger frenzy. And for those of you who don't know what Craig is talking about, our dinner consisted of visiting... Not one. But two places to eat burgers today. Two burger places tonight. Wow. And it's because Craig loves burgers. I do like burgers. Well, I can't say they're bad either. Anyway, so if you want to see what burgers we had, I've actually got pictures in the show notes. I'd be stunned if anyone went to the show notes to check out pictures of burgers. I'll share it on Instagram too. There we go. (laughs) Well, (laughs) what am I saying? Instagram, of course. So, Craig, Inbound Thought of the Week, being episode 150, I wanted to ask because... Okay. There are things that I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. 150 episodes later. Yeah. So I wanted to find out what is something that you have done growing up or in the past that none of us would really know about. Um, so you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> That's right. Something I did growing up. Now, you did mention to me something you did. Oh, you're talking about like martial arts. Yeah. Ah, yes. So I did karate for a long time. Long, long and what, what level did you reach, Craig? I got, I was a second Dan Black Belt. I did karate for over 30 years. Wow. Yeah. So it was a big part of my life. I only gave up a couple of years ago. I was, oh. Yeah, I was just, I just had enough injuries and I was getting old, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, see, I would have never thought. And there are many other things. So I think I'm going to keep this going for the next few episodes to find oh, out really? more about find you. Out. I wonder if people actually find that interesting. They're like, look, we're just here for the HubSpot tips. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you, let me throw it back at you because you put me on the spot there. Tell me something about you growing up that, well, I, that I don't know. Like I actually know about where you grew up in Sri Lanka. Yes. Tell me something I didn't know. Well, I will share with you what I really want to do. My dad was an engineer. Okay. And I always thought that I would be an engineer because I just thought, oh, that was cool. What kind of engineer? Was he it? was a mechanical engineer. Yeah. And I, I have an interest in car, you know, I just have an interest in cars that, yeah. and planes. Okay. And actually it was my desire to be a pilot in the Air Force flying fighter jets. And what happened was I went, when I had finished school or when I was finishing school, I went to the, I applied to go to the Australian Defence Force Academy, which is in Canberra. Basically you go through university and you get, you get to, you know, become a pilot. And it was a quite a rigorous process to get through all of this. I ended up getting, I think there was like about nine interviews and physical tests and so on. I got to the last, basically the last interview, and I ended up on an uh, army base, I think somewhere here in Sydney. And I thought, oh, gee, I've, I'm, I've almost made it. And I get to the end. There's a whole day of exercises. You know, you have lunch with all the generals of the Army, Air Force, Navy, because this is where you get to kind of choose where you go, right? So based on your skills, what they've observed. Anyway, I get to this interview. I think, yeah, it's going really good, right? Anyway, they say, look, your test results have come back and you've got astigmatism. You can't fly fighter jets, but we can we can allow you to fly helicopters in the Army. And I went, oh, I don't think I really want to be doing that. And after spending a whole day on this army base, I said, where do you think I'd be? 
somewhere in the outback of Australia. I'm like, no, nah, nah, no, thank you. <laughs> and that was that. Wow. So you've got astigmatism in one eye or both eyes? Both eyes. Both eyes. Yeah, I mean, eyes. I don't really wear glasses. You haven't seen me wear glasses. No. I do have glasses. Okay. Um, but I, I don't, I hardly wear them. Like my eyes are actually pretty good. But yeah, that's the reason. So I would be flying planes and I still have a desire. I actually want, I want to in this lifetime to get a pilot's license and to be able to fly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did not know about That's actually a really interesting story. There you go. So, a lot more interesting than mine, but... Well, for starters, from the small part, I didn't know that she needed glasses. Like, because I have astigmatism in my eye, but it's quite pronounced. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. And so I, no, I need to wear glasses all the time. Yeah, right. right. But yeah, you wanted to be a fighter pilot. Yes. Wow. Top that was gun. My dream. Top gun. Top right? gun. Yeah. Anyway, so there we go. We're going to share a little bit about each other so people get to know us. So I'm still dwelling on this. So, and here you are doing marketing with HubSpot. Look how. <laughs> Look how it turned out for the better. He could have been defending the country in a fighter fight. That's in right. A fighter jet, but no, you're defending marketing. Good on you. And so, just going back to that. So, you got through nine interviews. Yeah, pretty much. Do you much. think they could have told you that at the start? Yeah, I thought they would have. Maybe they thought I would go and fly helicopters. We'll leave the medical right till the end. <laughs> they call that doorknob conversion. Oh, yeah, we got him into the choppers. Yeah, wow. Okay. All right, onto our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. And this is to do with date-based workflows that have an annual recurring option. Yeah, so this is not new. I don't know, but I suspect this has been in the product from way back when. So this is not a new feature. But uh, most people would know you can do different types of workflows. We mainly do those uh, contact-based workflows that just start from scratch you can do work for uh, date-based workflows which means it revolves around a date you might say first of july and there's a workflow around it so typically you'd use these if you're running webinars or events and you kind of have things leading up to the event date and after all that kind of thing way we're using it is one of my wife's sites that just has we used to do monthly newsletters yep. and what we've done is we've actually prepared the year in advance for all the newsletters because this is not a particularly timely thing but it is seasonal okay so we've prepared them all in advance once a month newsletter but also we kind of know from the attrition rates through the list people kind of stick around for a year so what we've done is we've set up these newsletters we've got 12 of them we've got this date-based workflow and we've got recur annually so then it just flips over next year so we we set it kind of it starts in january and then it just flips over the next year. So yep. we might tweak the, the the emails a little bit during the year or you update some references. That. It's just there. So this is like one of these evergreen newsletter series. So rather than just a normal nurture thing or scheduling them all in advance, yes. just set them as automation uh, emails for workflows. We've yep. put it into a date-based workflow and we've set it to recur annually and set and forget. We'll just leave that. That's one thing that's all automated. Yep. This is called marketing automation, Ian. Have you heard of this email <laughs> marketing automation? It's it's quite a fantastic thing. <laughs> it is, isn't it? You just put someone out of a job, Craig. <laughs> yeah, me. That's <laughs> All right, and there is another another marketing tip that we want to highlight, and this is attribution reporting in ads. Now, let's take one step back. Attribution reporting. Now, if you work in analytics or Google Ads, you'll see this. Why is this important, Craig? So we'll talk about attribution means where do you attribute that lead to or, well, it starts with traf- exactly traffic. Right. Where yep. did traffic come from? Oh, it came from Google. 
okay, where'd the lead come from? Well, it came because it came from that traffic that came from Google. So, you know, it's organic or it could be Facebook or whatever. So attribution is important for a number of reasons. One is you want to work out which channels are working for you. But attribution has multiple ways to be, I guess, diced up. That's right. And so quite often people don't just come through one channel. They come through multiple touches. So attribution is a way of apportioning that. In enterprise, of course, we've covered this on earlier shows. You can look at attribution across channels. But this is the the one feature tonight that we're talking about is around ads attribution. Right. So, I mean, I think we're not going to go through it all, but it's really important to know that there are a few different choices you can make. And it's actually pretty well documented here when you're actually selecting. So it's actually really good because, I mean, I've worked in the Google product where they talk about, you know, it could be linear, last touch, first touch, so on. And when you're actually selecting this within HubSpot, it actually properly explains it, which is great to see. And so I'd encourage you to actually have a look and think about how you want to attribute where these contacts originated from. So this is really the key when you're looking at all of this stuff. So I'd encourage you to go have a look at it. All right, Craig, now we're going to talk about our sales feature of the week. Okay, and I'm going to do this by asking you a question. What is sales lead intelligence? So, Craig, sales lead intelligence is where we have all of the details on a contact and the timeline within that contact. So when we are looking at it, let's say I'm in sales, I want to see where this originated. So this is the attribution source of where we first had this person touch. Could be an ad, could be paid social, could be organic, so an organic search. And we want to understand what's been their journey. So when I talk to a lot of sales teams, I say, okay, have a look. What details have you got there? You can see their name. You can see their email. We often ask for postcodes of where people are it's because we've got sales teams nationally so we can apportion the sale to the right person. In the contact record, you can do search in Google so you can actually try and find more information about them. I know HubSpot goes to try and enhance the contacts. If you can find their Twitter handle, find an image, it'll put that in. And the other thing is, is that what are their interests? Like what pages have they looked at? So it's, this is where the intelligence is, right? They might make an inquiry on the contact us page and might not say very much. If you look at all the pages that they've looked through your site on and just had a look at when they've come back or how many times they've come back, that's a really key indicator to what's going on. Now, in the building industry that we operate a lot in, people have long journeys. Like we've seen people visit the website six months prior to make an inquiry and then when they do they're actually looking at you can actually have a you can see where they're looking at and what's interesting them and i think when you use this data the conversations you can have with people is far more engaging and enlightening and getting you to the end position quicker it's almost like lead intelligence equals visibility that's right it's the timeline it's so good so it's not a field on there where we say, oh, this lead's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's we should add lead that. Lead. <laughs> what is lead intelligence? You know, it's, this guy's a turkey. No, it's about visibility, isn't it? The thing about HubSpot is that it's so front and centre, it's almost we take it for granted now. And that's you, right. You go to another product and it's like, oh, well, you know, where can I see all that stuff? Oh, it's not there. What? And I would encourage you, if you haven't actually used the new contact layout, to actually oh the three, to the, the three, three column, column layer. layer it's a no-brainer 
You've yeah. just got to do it. It's so much better, isn't it? It's so much better. All right, onto the HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. Uh, just a little bit about Facebook lead forms, and I'll explain what they are, and then I'll explain the gotchas. You're talking about lead ads. Oh, sorry, lead ads. Are they called lead form ads? Lead ads. Lead the form. lead lead ads. Lead ads. I yeah. always get this naming wrong. So in Facebook, a lead ad is when you stay in Facebook, you might have an ad and it's, you say it's, uh, you know, download a white paper, you click download. Instead of it taking you to a landing page on your site, just pops up a form within Facebook. This is both on mobile and desktop. Pops up the form within pre-populated. Facebook. Pre-populated. with yeah. your Facebook data and you just go submit. So it's very frictionless and then there's a thank you page which may give you what you're after or it might Correct. have a link to, oh, here's download the PDF. Yes. By the way, we've been testing these again. Yes. Here's another reason why you should always test and measure. So we used lead forms, lead, a forms, lead ads. Why do I call them lead forms? Lead ads. We used lead ads right when they came out yes. a couple of years ago. They were great. Then they waned off and they were like, oh, they're really expensive. I think everyone thought that. Oh, they're really expensive. No one uses them anymore. We started using them again. They're working really well. Mm. I'm just going, what's going on? It's kind of like. And I think what's interesting when uh, you were showing me the results you're getting and understanding who you're marketing to, there were certain fields that you were actually asking for in the test. And there are certain fields that you left out, which actually increased the conversion greater. Oh, yes. Based on what the value you're offering them. And this is really interesting to me to understand people's psychology when they're actually trying to, when, when you're asking them for something. And actually, I think it's a really clear indicator. Well, we should do this as a marketing tip of the week sometime, but I'll just tell you, we, we, we're trying all different, as you say, all different types of forms. Basically, the only variable changing is the fields that we're showing on them. So name and email, we always include. But I'll just give you the, I'll give the spoiler alert, folks. Out of all the different variations, we tried tons of them. Phone number is the one that stops people submitting. So once you take phone number off, conversion rate goes up like incredibly. As soon as you put phone number back in, drops way off. Like people really uh, object to that in these two industries that That's we're testing right. in. So yep. you t- t- again, just to measure in your own industries, the way we're getting around that because we want people's phone numbers is we're asking for company name. Now, it's not always accurate when it comes from Facebook, mm. but more than often than not, there is a good indication yes. and then we can find them and, you know, the sales team can, Correct. You can track, connect with them, track so, them down for, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's the lead ads. So they're really good. So we've kind of had a bit of a diversion talking about how good they are. So there's one takeaway, folks. Try them again. If you try them a while ago and they didn't, you know, they've stopped being effective, we'll give them another Correct. go. But what we want to get to is two little gotchas in HubSpot. Now, the first is you might find that your lead forms are being attributed, might have a source of organic social instead of paid social. There's various reasons for that. Correct. And that's really important because people would actually put this under the paid social bucket. Yeah, well, you're definitely paying for it. So Correct. Yeah. Uh, so that's one, and we've got a, a knowledge base article on why that might be the case you can read about. And then another unexpected behavior when you're reporting on it. So, you know, when you go into reports and you go into analytics, traffic analytics. Yep. At the top, uh, and I've got a screenshot of this in there, you can choose the analytics view and you can choose all views, or you can often just drill down to mm. say your site. Correct. That yes. You're on. Yep. And by default, I normally just go to the site. Yes. Well, if you do that, it's going to exclude those lead ad contacts. Yep. So you need to actually set your analytics view to all analytics Mm. activities in order to see the lead ads. And the reason for that is it kind of makes sense, really, because they're not actually on your site. They're on another site. They're on Facebook, right? So it just means that when HubSpot is syncing through those lead ad contacts from Facebook, 
they're going to appear in your overall analytics, but they won't if you actually just drill down to your site. So two little gotchas there. Kind of makes sense, but um, just to be aware of. All right, Craig, on to our marketing tip of the week. And this is an issue that we both had in the past, and it's when you use the Chrome web browser and it chews up all your CPU. So here's my tip of the week, which is not really a tip. It's really a test this of the week. Of course, it might not work for you, but Chrome has this ability to use hardware acceleration. So rather than just uh, within the browser, it will tap into the GPU and use hardware acceleration for you know sites that you're on, like email that require massively <laughs> responsive. <laughs> no, but if you're playing games or things like Correct, that within the yeah. browser... So, of course, I turned on hardware acceleration years ago, like we probably all did, or maybe it's on by default. I think it's actually on by default because I'd never come across it. Yeah, right. So I was having a bunch of issues. Now, I will preface this by saying I'm using a a five-year-old MacBook Pro. So this is old hardware. And I was getting a couple of things. One was in HubSpot, getting this weird rendering of like the menus would suddenly go large if I hovered over them. The other thing that was happening was that the HubSpot sales extension in my inbox, yes. cry, uh, Gmail inbox, was just chewing up massive CPU. Yeah. And I was I had a backwards forwards with HubSpot support probably mm, over I the recall. course of weeks. And the dev team were investigating. They couldn't work it out. And eventually they said, look, I think it's just your old hardware and too bad. Yeah. Turns out when I turned off this hardware acceleration in Chrome, turned it off, great. everything is working so much better. It solved all my problems. So listeners, if you like me and got old hardware and you're having some little quirks in Chrome, just check that out. It's in advanced check. settings. Got yeah. a screenshot in there. All right, Craig, on to our insight of the week. And we're going to talk about this. Uh, you are always starting and you get better over time. Now, I have been pushing for us to do more video. And I've been pushing back against them because yes, I have. prefer to just hide behind the microphone and not put myself out there in video. But you've really been pushing for us to do more video. Yes. And part of the reason I'm pushing back is because we're terrible at it. Well, I am. I'm not, well, we I, are. I think I, you're you know much what? better, but um, I find I'm very uncomfortable doing it. But anyway. That's right. And it was really interesting. We were preparing for the show today and you were, I don't know why you went back to episode two, but I, I, was, I was cringing when I listened to episode number two of this podcast. Well, here's the point. We got better. Yes. And I'd, I'd, I'm not saying we're fantastic now, but if you go back and listen to our early shows, they are so bad. And I'm sure in a couple of years we'll listen back to this show and go, wow, that's so bad. Yes. Because we'll be better then, hopefully. And here's the point. We were so bad then, and we knew it, by the way, at the time. It's not, we, we were under no illusions that we were <laughs> any good. We're like, oh, my God. But we kept going and we got better. But it took a while. In fact, we were going back through the shows and it took a really, by episode 10, we were kind of okay, comfortable. But yes. it was really around episode 30 that we finally thought, oh, yeah, we've got a bit of a rhythm yep. here. And really, it wasn't until like episode 75 that we really found our format. Yes. And by episode 100, which is when um, we had Brian, had Brian on, we'd yes. finally found it. Like I think we'd hit our stride then. Correct. And if you listen back to like in the hundreds through to now, it hasn't really changed the format. We've kind of found our format. We're pretty comfortable. I really look forward to a recording. It's great, right? Yes. It took a while. Correct. And we're going to apply that same attitude to video. It's going to take us a while, but we're just going to do it, right? That's right. You're forcing me to. Watch those Instagram stories. <laughs> Look, I think there's a takeaway for listeners, isn't there? Yes, exactly. Don't expect to be perfect. And this can apply to a blog post, a campaign within the system. 
could be to pop-ups that you're implementing, chatbots, videos. I think the main thing is actually to get started because when you get started, the more comfortable you become and the more practice you get, you will naturally get better at it. And it's really interesting. We were talking to Max and Eli, my sons, (laughs) because they rang up and decided to have a chat before we, we were preparing isn't it really interesting? Like, so they, as a joke and a fun for them, they're like, oh, let's listen to the podcast. But they've worked out that we have a pattern, right? They're actually able to imitate the pattern. And they go, oh, it's pretty easy, right? You guys introduce yourselves. You introduce, you know, you, you do this and you do that. And so that's easy. You should be done in five minutes. And you know what? This is the thing. And I think it's a pattern, right? And it's also a consistency. Like, we have not missed a week, three years plus, Right. And I think it's because we are consistent about doing this. And I think anything you're doing, it's that daily or weekly consistency that keeps it going. And it's accountability too. All right. On to our retirement of the week, Craig. All right. Well, I, uh, this is a bit of an obscure one. but It is obscure. I was testing Shopify, integrating in with our portal. Yes. So we've got a Shopify site, zenstore.com.au, which I set up as a bit of a test, just a, as a bit of a store of all the Correct. services we offer, right? Now, I kind of keep it as a catalog. And then when I create deals, because I'd integrated Shopify mm. into our portal, into portal, when I create deals in HubSpot, you can add a product. And I would just add, oh, one of these Shopify, you know, this client wants a HubSpot build or they want a bit of Google Analytics setup Correct. or a bit of training on this. Yep. So I'd add it. Anyway, that went away. And I contacted support and I said, oh, I can't do this anymore. What's happened? And they came back and they said, oh, yeah, there was some problems with that. We removed it from the product. Mm. And, of course, you know, they do the obligatory, oh, vote it up on community if you want it. And it's like, so go back to vote it up that I want it back. But <laughs> anyway, it's not that big a deal for me. It's not like that's a showstopper for me. But yeah. that's the retirement of the week. Yeah. It went away quietly. And I can assume no one else has really noticed. It was probably only a few of us doing it. But if you, listener, are one of those others, then sadly that's the, that's the story. All right. Resources of the week, Craig. We've got a Google Tag Manager glossary and how to implement cross-domain tracking in Tag Manager. Yeah, so Benjamin Mangold. We love Benjamin, don't we? He is great. He is so good. Anyway, And he has a business called Loves Data. Yes. And he does a lot of training on behalf of Google. So a lot of training we attend for Google Ads and so on. He actually delivers the training and helps us prepare for the exam. So... Yeah. Now, if you want an example of good content on message around Google Tag Manager, yes. you cannot beat this article. Okay. He has nailed it. So, yeah. So, I encourage you. And, and I think one of the things I want to highlight is that people ask, even asked me in this last week, should I be using Google Tag Manager and what's the benefits of using it? Oh, really? And I think if you are in a business, you're, whatever you're doing, if you, if you start from scratch, set it up correctly with Google Tag Manager and make your life easier in terms of how you manage all of these code snippets and tracking that's going on your website. We did a whole episode on Google Tag Manager and also integrating it with HubSpot. The answer, if anyone says, should we use Google Tag Manager? The answer is yes. I can't think of a single instance mm. when you shouldn't use it. But setting it up is tricky. I'm actually doing an audit for a rather large-ish business whose Google Tag Manager accounts have gone crazy. Uh, so we're doing an audit and just resetting it all up. So why am I mentioning this? It's not, well, it can be simple, but it can get out of hand. And things like cross-domain tracking and also a lot of conversion tracking because they're they're a global company. They've got multiple agencies that they're dealing with in various locations, Mm. 
all have their own conversion tracking scripts, their own bits of here of event tracking and that, all going into this combined GTM account, Google Tag Manager account. It can get unwieldy. And before you know it, you've got scripts on scripts, just redundancy and stuff like that. I don't know why I got onto that, but I, I do love Google Tag Manager, I think is the point I was making, but it needs careful With implementation. With anything, yeah. we talk about managing your contacts in HubSpot, going through your blog, everything we do, there has to be a point where you need to actually take stock of what's there and look at what's redundant currently because you might actually have tags. For example, quite often hot jar, lucky orange, people will run that. They'll run it for a period of three months and then they go, oh, we don't want to do this anymore because we've got the data we need. The script's still running on their site. Scripts, I'll give you another typical one we get is conversion tracking set up. So yeah. they set up probably a conversion pixel for some platform they used That's on a exactly previous right. incarnation of the site. Yeah. New site went live. None of those conversion pixels needed or firing anymore, just clutter. Correct. So, yeah. so take stock. All right, Craig, and finally our quote of the week. It's um, from Keith Cunningham from his book, The Road Less Stupid, uh, which is a great book I've been reading. Here's his quote, ordinary things consistently done produce extraordinary results. We self-sabotage when we look for the one massive thing that can be the game changer. That's God. You know, a quote is a quote, right? So take it and you may or may not agree with it. I agree with this one because I think often marketing is, oh, give us the silver bullet. Oh, I'm a growth hacker. What's the growth hack of the month kind of thing? And it's short term. It's not long term often. And I think that is the trap we fall into. We've got to get massive results quickly. Well, if, if it was that easy, everyone would do it, right? <laughs> Ties in really nicely to the opinion of the week. And we've got a, a bonus link, and this is Facebook link click meanings. And this is from John Loomer. He's the Facebook master, isn't he? He is. And he's got lots of training. So I would actually encourage you, if you want to learn more about Facebook, it's a great resource. To yeah, go with, sign up to his um, yeah. newsletter. You'll actually get informed about all the things that are happening and changing, which I love. That's how we keep abreast of a lot of stuff. So, so listeners, we hope you enjoyed episode 150. We'd love you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because that greatly helps us. And we'd love to see you go to our Instagram and actually check out what we're up to. We'd love you to see you there. Well, Craig, until next week. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.